So let's start. I had you go to the Song of Solomon. Let's start in Genesis. All right, so keep your place there. But go back to Genesis chapter 1. We have here the account of creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we see everything that God created. And He created Adam and Eve in His image. Now that's an incredible thought. Verse 27 here, I believe it is, that in the image of God created He them. Male and female, He created them. And we are in the image of God. That's something that Pastor Matt on his, on his podcast presented this week. How is it that we can begin to understand this image of God and what is involved in that? And I don't think we have any comprehension of that until we get to heaven. And when we see Him, we'll be like Him, for we'll see Him as He is. I thought that was a great point. But there's so much about our relationship with God that's revealed through this moment of creation. And you know, uh, God did something very incredible. In chapter 2, God created the woman. Now, we read of that in chapter 1, but then it comes back and comes back to understand more about this story of this creation. God created man, Adam, and he had these responsibilities of caring for the garden and for naming all the animals and so forth. And he was sensing that he was alone, or I don't know if he sensed that or not, but, but that was the fact. And then, then God put him to sleep, and he created this woman from his side, from his rib, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, he said. And he said, she shall be called woman. One like me and close. In fact, the meaning of that word in that language that Hebrew word for, well, the Hebrew word for man is ish. So when you uh, are fed up with your husband, you can just say ish. And you know, he knows that you're talking about him. Oh, ish. But the name for the woman is ish shah, which is soft. Like me, but soft. So what is a woman? That seemed to be a question of our day. (laughs) Adam knew something really special, close, and different. She's soft. So we read that Adam should leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they become one flesh, intimately unified. It's very good. God knew what he was doing. God loves a good marriage. That's something I can learn from chapter 2 of Genesis. God loves a good marriage. But the problem is that sin entered the picture. Chapter 3, a terrible thing. And in chapter 3, verse 16, we read, To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing, and in pain you shall bring forth children. And I love the way the ESV draws this out, because I think it draws out something that is intended in that language that doesn't come out so easily in our language. But here's the way they translate it. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband. Oh. But he shall rule over you. That tells me something. Conflict is inevitable. It is. The story goes on to describe what a mess we've made in life in our sinful ways. And as you keep on reading in Numbers and into Deuteronomy, 
you'll see that these rules were made for something that God did not intend, but it happens. The problems of marriages and marriages crumbling and divorce, and it was just a reality. So God was helping them manage that and dealing with that. But it was something that was such a heartbreak. We need help, and we need to be prepared to help for people going through heartache. Church is not a place for people that are perfect and don't have any problems. Church is a place for people who are struggling through life who need God's answers. Amen? I'm one of those. So, and here's my intention today as we, as we address these verses in, in Song of Solomon, we get this picture in mind, this story. Uh, my hope is today to give you some hope. Some who have been through the deep valleys of hurt and, and even through the deepest valleys of despair, of divorce, I want to give you some hope and believe that God has something really good in His will in your life going forward. And some who are still going through hard times in conflict within your marriage, I believe God has the answers. We're going to see that in Song of Solomon. Let's pray. Oh God, I need you now. Lord, you know that Dealing with your word in front of a congregation of believers, people looking to you, is an incredibly um, its a heavy responsibility to do it right. And I ask God that as we open your scriptures, that you would help us do this right. Lord, help us to be able to see what it says, see what it means, and then answer the question, so what, and how we are able to use this in our lives. I pray, God, that that your Holy Spirit would take over and give an unction to your word that then would challenge us and help us and encourage us and, and lead us in the days ahead. And may we be a ministry that is a light that is set on a hill that cannot be hid in this community of Muscatine and this region. Lord, would you use your word today? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So in August, I think it was August 2013, uh, I had the responsibility of conducting a wedding for a young couple that we had led through some pre-marriage counseling. I love that. That was a lot of fun. And the groom, his name is Tyler. He was marrying Kyla. Tyler gave me an assignment just a few weeks before the wedding. He said, Pastor, I just, I just want you to... Um, I have a desire for my wedding. This is uh, just one request. Uh, I want you to preach through the entire book of Song of Solomon at my wedding. Ah, that's scary. How do you do that? And I want you to do it in 15 minutes. Ah, that's never happened. How do I preach in 15 minutes? The Song of Solomon at a wedding and in 15 minutes. So I took up that challenge. And they timed it. And it was 14 minutes. It can happen. So today, I'm going to preach through the Song of Solomon. But not in 15 minutes. All right. We'll, we'll do the best we can with that. But, but we're going to answer this question, what do we do with conflict in relationships? Now, this conflict isn't just limited to the relationship of a husband and wife. But that's the picture here. But we can learn so much about how to handle conflict. So Song of Solomon, as I said, it's in the middle of your Bible, uh, after, right before the book of Isaiah, after Psalms, Proverbs, uh, 
Song of Sol- um, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, all right? It's a love story. And, and it's very important for us to acknowledge this. It's poetry. Now, you read poetry differently than you read the law books that are down at, down at the courthouse. You read poetry differently than you would read uh, uh, a storybook of, of history or whatever. Poetry, you have to, and I remember this from English lit and so forth, you had, you had to kind of get into the mind of the speaker, of the, of the writer, and, and understand so many meaningful things that were brought out by these. And there was, there was usually a clue within that poetry that helped you understand how to interpret it and how to get the meaning and then what to do with it. So remember that this is part of the poetry section of the scriptures, Psalms and Proverbs and Job and Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon. So it's a poem. So keep that in mind as you're going through this. That's the genre. There's a lot of passion and and there's some intimacy described here that's, that's very picturesque, very real. There are a number of themes that you can follow through the book of Solomon. Love and faithfulness and and relationship. And it's filled with some imagery and illusions of that day that show that God created marriage for a couple to experience a passionate intimacy and unity with purity. But the imagery was of that day. It's probably not current to this day. But we can learn from it as we understand that this is imagery. So let me just say this, guys, as you're reading through this book and you see some imagery there, uh, don't tell your wife that she has a belly like a bowl full of wheat. (laughs) That's not going to impress her, (laughs) okay? Or uh, that that her hair is like a flock of goats. But somehow in that day, that imagery was very, very moving for them. Uh, What I want us to be able to be drawn to in this discussion over these next few minutes is is that there I want us to be able to see and how I want to show how this shows up that there is a major theme here of how this couple deals with conflict conflict God gave us this portion of scripture on purpose because he knew we would need it God knew that sinful man would corrupt and confuse what real love is supposed to look like. So he gave us this book, Song of Solomon, to help us see the picture of what it would look like and what it would take for, for couples to understand how to work through conflict. All through Scripture, God by inspiration uses his word for it to be relevant, for it to be useful. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable, including the book of Song of Solomon. So, the bride says in chapter 1, verse 2, you see this in your Scriptures there, the Song of Songs, which is Solomon's, and she says this, Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. Now that word love... I think it's pronounced dode. It's the idea here of mingling of souls. There are a number of different kinds of words used for love in the Old Testament, multiple words. But this one is speaking, speaking of souls that are united, an intimacy, a mingling of souls. And it gets better and better and closer and closer the longer it goes. And that's the point of marriage, to see that through all of these trials and tough times and differences, that it gets better and better. 
And if not, there's something wrong. Now, here's the key to understanding the book of Solomon. And many of you have scriptures that, that have this broken out for you. But here's the key. You need to identify who is speaking. You have the groom. You have the bride. And then you also have the audience. The groom and the bride and the audience. Now, what's the audience doing there? I remember reading through Song of Solomon and just being so confused as to what's going on here. And it wasn't until I saw a translation where it identifies who it is that's speaking that it, 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 oh, so that's what's going on. But I still had this question, what's the audience? Why are they in the story? We'll get to that. Let's look at how the groom speaks. Uh, This man, he's enthralled with her beauty. Wow. This woman, she's beauty. She's beautiful. Chapter 1, verse 15, Behold, you are beautiful, my love. Behold, you are beautiful. Your, your eyes are doves. Again, I'm saying that's probably not the way to say it to your wife, but, but he was so enthralled with her beauty. Look at chapter 2, verse 2. As a lily among brambles, so is my love among the young women. Look over at chapter 4, verse 1. Behold, you are beautiful, my love. Behold, you are beautiful. And it goes on and on like that. And it gets really mushy. Okay? That's okay. You know, I noticed something a number of years ago in reading this. That I, and I marked every reference where, where the groom was, was speaking. And I think in just about every statement, he makes some sort of a reference about her beauty. That's what a guy is. He's drawn to her beauty. Everything about her uniquely pleases him and makes him smile. And again, the longer you're married, the more beautiful your wife is to you. And it's a beauty that is more than skin deep. And our world has no concept of what this beauty is. And so it it throws at us some unattainable pictures that I think are very discouraging to people. But what I want you to see is when God's in this, there's a beauty that just goes deep. Let's look at how the bride speaks. All right? Again, the story here reveals the heart of the bride. And this bride wants to be with her groom. And God made her to want to be a completer, a helpmeet, an easer, as it's described in Genesis. And, and she, she, certain, she loves her family, but in her heart she desperately wants to be with her groom. So look at verse 7 of chapter 1. Tell me, you who my soul loves, where your past, you pasture your flock, where are you? Where you make it lie down at noon. For why should I be like one who veils herself beside the flocks of your companions? I want to be right there with you. Look at chapter 2, verse 3. With great delight I I sat in his shadow, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. Verse 4. He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. She enjoys being with him. Just this week. By the way, I asked Lori if I could share this. She's in the nursery, so I can't get that visual from her. So I asked her ahead of time, is it okay if I talk about this? All right. Uh, just this week, I think it was on Friday, she came walking in and she said, this is our song. And she turned it on and she started doing this dance. A little bit of a slow dance, I think, but it was hers. It's hers. And she, you just got to know her. She loves to dance. But she started going with this song. And the words to the song, or the title of the song was this. You don't want me to sing it, but the title of the song was this. Everything's better when we're together. Everything's better when we're together. 
And I said, I have to agree with that. The bride also adores her husband. He's her hero. He's the greatest. And he's the one she wants to talk about. Look at chapter 5, verse 14. His arms are rods of gold set with jewels. His His body is polished ivory bedecked with sapphires. Now, what in the world is she talking about there? In today's terminology, that's a six-pack, okay? I mean, he's built, right? Look at verse 15. His legs are alabaster columns set on bases of gold. His appearance is like Lebanon, choice as the cedars. Uh, Many of you remember, it was such a blessing last summer when we had our intern come, Daniel Lehman, and we we all fell in love with him. He was just a lot of fun and inspiration and, and just pizzazz I mean he's just a, how many would you all agree to that I'm mean, just a, he was a lot of fun well a lot of his personality he gets from his mother and from his dad as well but his, his mother is just a lot of fun and she, she so pastor Tim and Heather came to us in our church in Shannon Illinois back in the early 90s and they're still there uh, they, but they came as the youth pastor at that time and they were newly married at that time and um, so she loved to have this saying, that, she, and she would refer to this often. She would refer to her husband as uh, the hunk of the universe. And you know what? He tried to live up to that because that's the way she spoke of him, the hunk of the universe. He's strong. He's able to leap over the mountains. He's a protector, and he speaks with kindness. These are the ways that she speaks of her, her groom. She references him. She talks well of him. So we've got the groom, we have the bride, but now we have the audience, this third speaker in this story, the audience. And again, I have question marks here. Why include the audience in this story? Aren't they kind of getting in the way? What, what, what place do they have in this story of, of this bride and this groom? I think it's the key to the whole book. Listening to what the audience says, it, it helps move and, and helps to give direction and comprehension about what's, what's really the message of this book. The audience provides with us with a, a bit of the understanding of the suspense that's caught up in this drama. There's suspense. By the way, good drama you know, introduces, addresses the problem, has the climax of the problem, oh no, what's going to happen, then has the resolution. Well, that's the way this story unfolds, and it's the audience that introduces each of these sections. Uh, when the audience first becomes aware of this relationship between the groom and the bride, their response is to say, oh yes, this is going to be good. And, and everybody loves a good love story, Right? So the audience says in chapter 1, verse 4, We will exult and rejoice in you. We will extol your love more than wine. Rightly do they love you. And when the audience observes how much this girl wants to be with this guy and how much this groom delights in this girl, uh, he says, they, they, the audience says, Hey, let's get this show on the road. <laughs> let's get ready for a wedding. So verse 11 of chapter 1, we will make for you ornaments of gold studded with silver. Let's help with the decorations. And there's so much work that goes into that, right? So the bride is preparing for her wedding and the groom shows up and the crowd is thrilled at this wedding. And they say in chapter 5 verse 1, eat friends, drink and be, be drunk with love, live happily ever after. In other words, it's kind of the story. Aren't we glad about this big event? 
Then something happens. There seems to be a separation between the two lovers. Things are complicated. In fact, her Facebook status reads, it's complicated. That's usually a signal, uh-oh, there's trouble a Bruin. He's coming home late. He's not there. Where is he? Why isn't, why isn't he at home? Why is he doing these other things? And she's in bed already. There's tension in the air, and he arrives, and they aren't speaking. So he leaves. And the bride is missing her groom. Things just aren't right, aren't complete. So she goes looking. And in chapter 6, verse 1, we read from the crowd, the audience speaking, Where has your beloved gone, O most beautiful among women? Where has your beloved turned that we may seek him with you? Then the couple recalls why they were married in the first place. And they remember what they appreciate about each other. Chapter 6, verse 9, the groom says, My dove, my perfect one, is the only one. Guys, come back to that again and again. She's the only one. Remember that. She's the only one. And then the bride, she goes out to the orchard, and she's thinking, she's working through things, she's looking for answers, and what should I do? Then she remembers that he put perfume on her door handle. He took the initiative to do something. He took the time to put perfume on her door handle. That may be akin to him bringing her flowers or leaving a love note. And she thought that over and over. Couldn't get it out of her mind. Guys, note that it was the, bro- the groom that took the initiative. So then the crowd is yelling out to her in chapter 6, verse 13. This is key to the whole book. Chapter 6, verse 13. Return, return, O Shulamite. Return, return, that, you may look, uh, that, that we may look upon you. This marriage. By the way, when you see two words put together like that in this language, they did not have exclamation points. But when you said it two times, that's the exclamation point. You need to get this. Return. Get back together. Get back together. And they do. And then the rest of the book goes on to express the beauty of this awesome pleasure God intends in the one flesh intimate union. And if you know God's blessing in that, you know that this song got it right. So what are we to learn? What do we do with this book of Song of Solomon that we've just overviewed here? It gives you some comprehension about how to go look at it deeper. What do we do with this? What does it say? What does it mean? And then... What do we do with this? Well, number one, guys, value this. Husbands, remember, always remember, your wife is beautiful. A valued, precious, beautiful treasure. Communicate that. Say it again and again. Be enthralled with her beauty. Be motivated by her beauty. She's the Isha. She's mine, but she's soft. Number two. Get this value. Wives, understand that this is a good thing. Want him. Want to complete him. Hold him up as your hero. 
reverence him. And you'll be amazed when you do this, his response. The hunk of the universe. By the way, can I just take this moment to say this? Guys, she's a completer, all right? So so you may be a little bit shocked at, at how she wants to complete you. She'll want to be with you. So in order to have that need met, she's going to ask you a thousand and one questions, one after another. Question after question. And she wants to know every detail about your day and about everything that happened. And, she, and, it, and, all, and you're thinking, is she just trying to control me? Why is she wanting to know everything? Is she fearful or something? And really what's going on within her soul is she's just wanting to participate with you. And if she can't be with you, she wants to relive it as you're talking through those details. Ladies, are there any amens to that? Understand that that's part of the way God created her to want to value you and hold you up and to understand you and to want to be with you. So that's something I think is really important for teenage guys to understand about their moms. When, when they come home from school or whatever and mom is asking all these questions, it's not that she's being intrusive. She just wants to participate with your life. So understand that. And that will help you get ready for understanding what it's like to be married. Wives, value that. Appreciate that. But then here's what I want to emphasize for the next few minutes. And this, this is our response. Husbands and wives, work through your conflict. You've got to get to the place where you return. You return. Song of Solomon 6, verse 13. You will experience problems. You will have those misunderstandings and disagreements because you're, you're not just alike, but you, you are alike. And, so, and you're supposed to be together. And, and so it's going to take some work to figure out how to get back together. Work through your conflict. Let me just give you a list of these that I think are essential for there to be a working through conflict. Again, these are not just for married couples. It, everyone can learn from this. But I think for any married couple, this is essential. Number one, have the mind of Christ. You need to be saved. You need to truly have Christ in you and and having this thinking that is his. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought not robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation. He humbled himself. Have this mind. Think like Christ thinks. And you're going to have... The reality of God's love working out in you, as we read in 1 John 4, when you have this mind of Christ, you're responding to His love in a faithful way. Number two, keep talking, but more importantly, listen. In order to be able to keep talking, you have to really listen well. And so to be able to have a response of this is what you're truly trying to say and communicate that way, but really listen. Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, right? Number three, pray together. The family that prays together stays together, right? But let me just say this. Keep it simple. Don't make it a profound, hour-long, overwhelming thing. But just little moments throughout your day, pray together. Maybe bedtime, maybe mealtime, maybe as you're driving down the road for a few minutes. But, and maybe just praying for one subject at a time. But, but keep it simple, but keep on praying. 
Number four, walk in the Spirit. That means we're, we're responding to the Holy Spirit's conviction about how to respond to life. And the Holy Spirit will bring fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are things that do not come because you're such a good guy or so, so, so strong. It's because the Holy Spirit's working in you to give you that kind of fruit that is so foreign to us. So walk in the Spirit as we're talking through Galatians, and we'll come back to that. Number five, I think this is so important. Refuse cutting words. We know how to say the words that just tease off without even saying it. We can just give the look, and they know what the words are. Don't go there. Refuse those cutting words. It's just not worth it. Number six, compromise. I want to talk about that some more. That's a very important word within a marriage. Not with God's word and the truth. We, we do not compromise with God's doctrine, right? We hold that firm. Forever settled is the word. But in working through life and issues, sometimes you need to go all the way to your partner. Sometimes you meet halfway or 60 or 40 or sometimes they come your way. But there's compromise. Learn to adjust. And maybe this is something that you can share with others who are going through hard times. Realize that compromise really is an important part of a marriage. Number six, forgive again and again. Just like we were singing about earlier, I so much appreciated how Pastor Jordan brought out. When we comprehend God's forgiveness and what he did to accomplish that, we are enabled to give it as a gift ourselves. And so keep on giving that gift of forgiveness. And the, and the last one here is this eight, seven or eight, whatever the number is. <clears throat> Figure out how to address conflict. This is a skill. And I think this is where most often we blow it because we don't know how to deal with conflict without making it worse. How many times have I said the wrong thing at the wrong time thinking I was doing the right thing, but it actually made it a lot worse? Yeah. And just not talking doesn't help anymore. In fact, that makes it worse, the silent treatment. So somehow you have to figure out how to talk it through without emotions going kaboom. Learn to talk. Learn to work through the conflict. As I said, so many of us fall apart at this point. This is so important. I'm going to come back to that. So the book of Song of Solomon describes this couple, but it really is a bigger picture. It's not about them. And the reason we have the audience within this story is they're watching something unfold that they desperately need to comprehend themselves. And that is how true love really works. And you as a couple, believing couples in Christ Jesus, you have a testimony. Others are seeing you. You have a light that shines so that others can see your good works, the way you live. And they, that helps others glorify God because of what they see in the way you live. So how you live out this story and you work out your conflict and you demonstrate the love of God and how you are working these things out for the good 
you are able to testify of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're able to show people what God is really like. See, the audience watches you, and as believers who are enthralled with Christ, you are able to show that He is everything, and the way you're working through your love helps them to see how the love of God works. And His love is eternal love, and that is possible in a world where it all seems impossible. You see, God made a promise. He's, he is faithful and true. That's His name, right? He said He would send a Redeemer, the one and only one who could and would restore and reconcile us to Him through the gift of His righteousness and the payment of our sins. And Jesus paid with His own blood, His own sacrifice, as a covering Jesus covers us. Jesus Christ came to provide for us His righteousness and His payment for our sins with His own blood. He died and He rose again so that that we could experience this love, which is eternal life, a relationship with Him that is secure, and it's forever. And He simply says, embrace that. Take that. Believe. This story ends with another wedding. Would you look to Revelation chapter 19, verses 6 through 9? Revelation 19, verses 6 through 9. Hallelujah. For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. It was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints, that's your testimony. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Life is complicated. And the Christian life can sometimes be complicated. But we know this, God's love never fails. Man's love does. And there's so many realities that so many of you have had to face in dealing with that. But God is faithful to His promise. Amen? And you can get back to your Lord and you can come to Him boldly and if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive and we can draw near to Him and there's a restoration in the fullness. You don't have to live without the full love of God no matter your circumstance. So, There are three needs I've seen in our culture around here. We have a lot of people who are hurting, single moms especially, in Muscatine. A lot of people dealing with addictions, alcohol, drugs, all kinds of things. We've got to be ready to help people with that. And there are a whole lot of people that are struggling in their marriages. They don't have anybody to talk to. I want us to to be introduced to an idea I had a while back that I'd like to talk about for the next few minutes that might be a tool to help us in helping people get that last point figured out of how to talk through conflict so that then God can be glorified and we can, we can see the love of God rule. It doesn't always work. Sinners who are choosing to sin and choose not to repent, that's the end of the conversation. And some of you have been through that. But if you have a tender heart and your mate has a tender heart and there's a desire to to listen to what God is telling, we want what God wants, 
then there, there are going to be some ways to do that with that conversation. And I came across a ministry that here in a few minutes we're going to talk about a little bit more. It's called Dare to be Different. You can look it up on, on, on the, the web, daretobedifferent.com. And we're going to be introducing some ideas about how this can be a help to us and also help to others and maybe even a gospel witness along the way. So what do we do with what we've heard here? Well, we respond and we look for action steps where we can see the hand of God in our lives to help us really deal with what it means to love in a faithful way within our homes. Lord, I thank you that you are faithful in your love for us. Help us to comprehend how to show that as our testimony and our love for you as it shows in our love for one another, especially at home. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.